Please welcome Professor Lynn Beasley to the stage. Well, isn't this a great evening and a wonderful idea? We've got to make this a regular. Wow. So my first question is, who likes Kayliss fish and chips? You've had good fish and chips tonight, but who's eaten Kayliss fish and chips? So I'm going to tell you why they're so good. I'm going to tell you the story of a West Australian. This is West Australian science because we lead the world in so many things and we tend to keep our light under a bushel a bit, but we shouldn't. So I'm talking about Patricia Hurst and probably better known to you as Dr. Patricia Kalis. So I'll start the story. So Patricia Kalis well, Hurst, when she started out, went to a very swish school in Melbourne from an old established Melbourne family and, of course, succeeded in school, swept into uni and studied medicine at um, Melbourne University. At that point, she decides to sort of stretch her out a bit and she decided to come to Western Australia to do her internship as a junior doctor. Her parents were a bit uncertain about this because Western Australia wasn't exactly on the map in those days. And she's very much a bookworm and a dedicated medico. But her best friend drags her along to a party. She doesn't want to go, but she does. But it was lucky she did because she met the love of her life. But her parents weren't terribly thrilled when she re they realised she was going to be marrying albeit handsome, but a Greek fisherman. <laughs> but maybe if she kept doing medicine, it would be okay. So Pat's aim in life was to become an obstetrician, to look after pregnant women, help them deliver their babies. And she'd been promised a job at King Edward Memorial Hospital. This all seemed terrific. Until the letter came, she opens it with excitement and when she tells you about it, she still has a throat that goes tight because what the letter said was, we're so sorry, we know you're the best applicant for the job, but we have a man who's applied and he's married with four kids and he needs the job more than you do, so we've given it to him. Thank heavens, things have changed. So what do they do? They go for plan B and they move up to a place called Dongara and they did that in the 1960s. Now I couldn't find a photo of Dongara in the 1960s but I did find one from 1975 and there are about six shacks there. It was not a metropolis, I assure you. But Pat becomes the GP. She raises, they have four children, two boys and two girls, so she's very busy as a country GP there, very much beloved and enjoyed. But what does her husband do? He sets up from absolutely zip the crayfishing industry in Western Australia. Just think, it's been one of the biggest income earners for us through the years, and it still is. And the fact that it is, is because we control the fisheries. We have one of the few sustainable fisheries in the world because the wonderful people up at Hillary's at the Department of Fisheries monitor what's taken out of the ocean every year. And if there are some years when you don't take crayfish, so be it. In fact, the last time that they had a very strict quota, it actually worked out very well in the end because although there were fewer crayfish, 
the ones that they were able to harvest were bigger and they got far more money for them in the um, Japanese market, the main market. So having established the crayfishing industry, they come back to Perth. But it's too late for Pat to become an obstetrician. These days you can have career break, thank heavens you can, that we're much more enlightened. But she realized it was too late to train as an obstetrician. And she said, well, if I can't help women while they're pregnant, I'm gonna try and make sure that the babies they have are healthy. And she became a genetic counselor. She wasn't paid at all. She did it entirely in a voluntary capacity at Royal Perth Hospital. And she worked with families that had devastating diseases, such as Huntingdon disease. Huntingdon's is particularly cruel. If your parents had it, or one of your parents, you have a 50-50 chance of getting it, but you don't know until after your reproductive years, usually in your 40s, and then it strikes you down. It affects your brain, and within a few years, you're dead. She also was studying spinal muscular atrophy, which is a variation of motor neuron disease that we've heard so much about. One that actually kills babies within about two years of birth. And any of you who watched the 7.30 report last night would have seen a report about babies who still suffer with this condition. But the third one was muscular dystrophy. The most common of all genetic diseases, it affects one in 3,500 boys, and it's just like pulling the short straw because as it turns out, and I'll explain why it's so common, it affects boys and it affects them for life. In fact, for short lives. They're lucky to live to 15 or 20. Their muscles degenerate and in the end, they just can't gasp for breath anymore. But the wonderful thing Pat did was to be able to give genetic counseling so so many families gave birth to healthy children and not otherwise. And it's estimated that she saved about 5,000 boys from being born with muscular dystrophy in Western Australia. She then retired from that, and that probably should have been enough, but it certainly wasn't. There was far more to come, because by then, the Kalis family had set up the pearling industry up in Broome, and I'm wearing some Kalis pearls tonight <laughs> that my husband gave me for my birthday about four weeks ago, and so I thought that would be very appropriate. <laughs> but the pearling industry wasn't the success it should have been. So many of the pearls were misshapen, they had black bits, they were knobbly, they just weren't that perfect sphere that you needed. And so Pat stepped in, and went up north to discover exactly what was going on in the pearling industry. And what you do is you take a little sphere, actually it's from a mussel shell, and you slip it inside the oyster, prise him open, put it in, and put a little bit of that flappy stuff of the mantle that you see around when you open up anything like an oyster or a mussel. And then, with any luck, the cells grow round, absolutely encapsulate your little shell nucleus and you end up with a perfect pearl or otherwise. Well, this is where I come into the story because I was walking along the corridor uh, working at the Department of Zoology at the University of Western Australia when somebody said to me, one of my colleagues, um, I'm going on sabbatical for six months tomorrow and I've got this student I'd like you to look after. Um, he's sort of in your area. And when he turned up, and I'm working on how to fix up the brain after injury, I discover he's actually being sponsored by Kayla's Pearls to work out why the pearls are coming out the wrong shape. 
Now, this didn't seem desperately close to my interest, but <laughs> apart from my interest in pearls, to put it mildly. But I actually realized it was, because this little piece of tissue was actually stem cells. And what they would do is they would migrate, they would differentiate, and they would form networks. Some would die, some would survive. And that was exactly what I was looking at as the brain was repairing itself. So actually, the principles applied. And it's the only research I've ever done that was commercial in confidence, but it helped sort out our pearling industry. And of course, if any of you go to Calis in town or down in Fremantle, the most beautiful pearls for sale still. So that was the second contribution that Pat made. When her beloved Michael died, she took over running the Kalis Empire, the largest fishing uh, company in the whole of Australia, and helped it grow enormously in size. And she said, I did it by saying, you do the right thing, and if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is something that you should think about. It was absolutely wonderful she did that. And maybe you think that that would be the end of the story, and she's an OBE, she's a fellow of the Academy of Technological Sciences and Engineering, and the Citation of Western Australia. But it isn't the end of the story, because what she did was very carefully keep family histories of all these families with these horrid diseases. So when molecular biology came along, she could provide samples across the world to molecular biologists from someone in the family with the disease and a close relative without. And by comparing the genomes of the two, you could target and find that one gene that goes wrong to cause these diseases. So the discoveries of the genes for Huntingdon's, muscular dystrophy and spinal muscular atrophy are all thanks to Pat's work and Pat's careful consideration of her patients and keeping perfect records. So what was the gene that went wrong in muscular dystrophy? It turned out it's the largest gene in the body because it makes the largest protein in the body and that's why it can go wrong more often because the more often you copy something long, you're more likely to get mistakes in it than copying something short. It's a very interesting protein because it forms coils and the coils are there because every time I move my muscles, the muscle fibers slip past one another, but these little coils stop them damaging themselves, a bit like having uh, springs in a car, shock absorbers in a car. And that's why the boys are okay to start with and then go downhill, because you could drive a car and for a while without a shock absorber, it'd be okay. But in the end, it would crunch to a halt. Once we knew the gene, and we knew the product. Then we could set about seeing how we could fix it. And two wonderful scientists who started at the University of Western Australia but are now at Murdoch University, Professor Steve Wilton and Sue Fletcher, have devoted their lives to helping children with muscular dystrophy. And they've discovered a way to mask the product of that gene to turn it from an evil one that stops the protein going into coils, into one that makes neat coils again. It isn't a cure. You have to keep giving a treatment because the body makes this stuff all through life. They couldn't raise the funds to do it here because it's very expensive. Everybody has a different mutation, so you have to look, personalized medicine. 
The company in the US that took this on board, when they announced that Sue and Steve were working with them, the value of their shares went up by $600 million overnight. I think that tells you the importance of this discovery because it applies not only to muscular dystrophy, but any genetic disease and any disease, including Alzheimer's, where we know what the gene is and what's wrong with the product. They have run a five-year trial in, West, in uh, the US, in the Western US, and of the 12 boys on the trial, 10 of them are still walking or running around, two are in wheelchairs, but still much healthier than they've been otherwise. They would be lucky to be alive today. It's now been approved by the Food and Drug Administration of the US to say that it's a safe treatment. It's no longer experimental. And we had the joy of having one of the young men who's in this program, he's now 16, Billy came to Perth recently. Before he did that, he had just run a kid's marathon. Can you imagine that? He had the most terrific time in Western Australia. You might have read about him in the paper. He even had a ride in the Excellency the Governor's car, which he loved. And Billy was asked by his mum, you were always just middle of the road at school. Now you're absolutely topping your class. Why is that? And he said, because I now know that I'll be alive at the end of the year. I think that really brings it home. Without Pat Kalis's work, we wouldn't know how to help people such as Billy, who are suffering from genetic disease, who just pull the short straw when it comes to making that egg and sperm that come together that then makes us. Pat is now more than 80 years old. We celebrated her birthday recently. She's exceedingly modest about what she's done. But I wanted to share this story tonight because I think it's very special. And I think the message from it, remember that letter that made her feel so rotten way, way back. I ask you now, was it better if she'd become an obstetrician or done the, the things she's done? I think it's probably we'd all agree that getting that letter that said, no, no, do something else, was probably the best for her and for the world. So nothing's good or bad, it's how you play it. Make the most of opportunities, and who knows, you could be the next Pat Kalis. Thank you for listening. I want another round of applause for Lynn because she's such a busy woman and she's made time for us tonight. Such a valued member of the science community here in Western Australia. Our final speaker is an astrophysicist. He uh, has designed independent games and if you squint hard enough, you might just recognise him from TV. But I'll leave that for him to explain. <laughs> Tim Young, welcome to the stage.